0: This podcast contains content that some listeners might find distressing. If you or anyone you know needs help, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Australian Seniors does not endorse any statements or opinions made during the podcast. Opinions and statements made during the podcast are those of the participants of the podcast. Hi, I'm James Valentine. This is Life's Booming. And in this series, Series 4, we're exploring Against All Odds, stories of resilience, years after life-changing events. And in this episode, we're going to meet Bridget Saker.
1: You get a phone call that you never envisaged to get, and your life turns upside down.
0: In 2020, Bridget's life was changed forever by a great tragedy. Her 11-year-old daughter, Veronique, along with three of her cousins was killed by a drunk and drugged driver at Oatlands. The
1: tragedy was inevitable, but the extent of the tragedy, unimaginable. We now know that Mr Davidson will spend up to 28 years with 21 years non-parole, in prison. Our loss is permanent, but Mr Davidson's loss of freedom is temporary.
0: Remarkably, she later forgave that driver, and then along with Daniel and Leela Abdullah whose three children were also killed in the Oatlands' tragedy, she launched I Forgive Day.
1: Our faith is tested when something happens, as a crisis. We can go this way or we can go that way. And I chose to go on the path of love and forgiveness. Imagine if you hate what that means, how contagious it is. For me, it was important that my son did not hate. I wanted him to only know love. I wanted him to understand sometimes in life... A tragedy happens for a greater good.
0: The annual event is designed to promote a national dialogue about the benefits of forgiveness.
1: Without faith, without believing, I could not get out of bed.
0: She also launched a charity, Heartfelt, honouring her daughter, Veronique, and ran for politics in a state by-election in 2022.
1: Look, I never aspired to be in politics, but when this opportunity presented itself, I wanted to grab it because I wanted to have the opportunity to help others.
0: How she's got to that position to be able to do so much following the death of Veronique is an extraordinary story. Bridget, hello. Hello. It's so nice to meet you and thanks so much for coming in. How do you deal day to day with the death of Veronique?
1: Look, I think, James, it's actually more hour to hour because, you know, grief comes in waves, so sometimes you're okay and you know, you're up and you go, okay, it's going to be a good day. And then something triggers you and you start to feel really down and your chest tightens up. And then you start talking to yourself saying, God, I can't believe this has happened. And and then you sort of talk yourself out of it again because you know that you've got to do something. But I think for me as a person, I I like to keep myself busy. I like to have a purpose in everything I do. And by having that purpose, it gets me out of bed and Mm. it keeps me going.
0: I suppose I was wondering when have you developed almost techniques when the moment comes, when the grief comes, when it's overwhelming? Do you have practices that yeah. get you through?
1: Yeah. yeah, a few practices I do. Because, you know, through grief, you do suffer severe anxiety. You know, post traumatic stress disorder, trauma comes with so many different emotional, physical, and mental impacts. But certainly, one thing that I do very much grip onto is my faith. And I know that Veronique is in heaven. So, straight away, my thoughts are she's not dead. She's around and that's sort of my psychology kicks in. And then I just stop and, as my psychologist says, just start breathing, you know, take a few deep breaths, slowly just sink in those breaths. I just imagine that she is having a good time and those sort of techniques I always just revert into because, you know, I am around people, I am busy, I've got appointments and yeah, that's something that I just...
0: Mm. Is is the busyness distraction or is the busyness, you're always a busy person?
1: I was born a busy person right. and I'll probably die a busy person. I probably won't even know that I've been, that I'm, you know, I'm dead because I'm so busy. But my coping mechanism is to be occupied, sitting with your own space and your own mind. Sometimes I don't like it. So, right.
0: right. But you've never been that person.
1: I've never been yeah, that person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I suppose we are, aren't we? We're, we're either, like, I'm the opposite. I quite, you know, send me off for a walk on my own for three hours. Beautiful. The yeah. house to myself. Excellent.
1: Yeah. And my husband craved like that, but I'm, uh, no, I like being around people. I like I get my energy being around people. I think when you've gone through what I've gone through, you do gravitate to those sort of things that at least make you feel a little bit better. And yeah. for me, that's being around people and being busy.
0: And it's not that long either, right? It's, it's not yet two years?
1: It was two years in February, but it doesn't go away. I mean, no. it, it actually gets harder because... The reality sets in. School holidays, you don't have Veronique and her school friends coming over or s- sleeping over. She always had cousins and her friends over. She was a very much a people person. Yeah, you know, it's a bit of sweet. You get invited to her friend's birthdays, stay connected with the mothers, and you you know, have those emotions of, well, what would she have looked like and what would she have been doing? And so it just doesn't go away. You have those milestones of birthdays, you know, her brother's birthday, mum's birthday, dad's birthday, She's just missing. She's not on the table. Mm. But I'm doing everything I can to honour her and make sure that, you know, she's not forgotten.
0: Yeah. Well, I love a lovely thing you did, was it on the first anniversary, and you didn't talk about, like, the anniversary of the death.
1: No. Celebration of life. As a Christian, someone with faith, and, you know, sometimes I think, well, if you got it wrong, it hasn't done me any harm, that this is just a passageway to eternal life and celebrating the life of Veronique and what she achieved for such a small age. And what I intend to continue in her legacy is, you know, something that I focus on. I mean, death is an end and there is no death in Christianity. There is life after death. And that's my faith. And that's how I've been raised. And that's what keeps me going. And that's what gets me out of bed.
0: Mm. Even those with faith will often struggle to be where you are, to have that firm belief that she's in heaven, that this is one life. There is afterlife. Has that been... Reinforced, or did you again, did you have that belief before I suppose is it was that your faith and now and you see, look, this is actually yes, now I know it is
1: look I think it's the um bank of faith paying its dividends right now i I really believe that because I grew up in a Christian family where we went to church, we celebrated Christmas Easter, we were practicing Catholics, and I still am. I think when something like this happens, it puts you to the test, and it could go either way, but i've chosen to Believe that there is resurrection and there is life after death, and it has firmly sort of reinforced that that's where Veronique is, and mm. that's where her cousins are, and that's where my, my dad is, and all those that go before us that we love. Imagine if she just lived 11 years and there's no more Veronique. Mm. Imagine if that's the end. Mm. And I did talk to a priest once who told me that the funerals that he does where people are of faith are very different to funerals with people that aren't of faith, and he sees the impacts it has on people. and i Tried very hard not to focus on anything but hope and forgiveness and love, and make sure that that manifests through everything I do, including being a role model to my son.
0: Mm, Yeah, was that there in those first days?
1: Straight away I went there. Straight away I I to everything that I'd been raised with, with the uh, death of Jesus on the cross, with the resurrection, with the pain and suffering, and you know my mother and my father always taught us that life doesn't come without suffering. You know, I mean, my father fell ill when we were very young, both mental health and physical, and life for us changed as children. And we had to learn to cope with that. And my parents always said that that's life. That's how Jesus suffered. We're all going to suffer. And so I had those building blocks as a young child to kind of carry me through. And, you know, my mother always sort of said it was tough love. You know, life's not going to be easy.
0: I suppose it's interesting, like, you know, many will have that upbringing, but, you know, teenage years, you know, you become an adult, you say, like, ah, not so much. You you never did?
1: No, I never went through that. Oh. Being strong, as best as I can be, you know, I mean, I was a single mother for many, many years, and raising two children, being the breadwinner isn't easy, and I, you know, held good stead in terms of my strength, but that doesn't mean days I, I, I struggle, I do, I struggle very much, but I'm... I'm very stoic as well. I always think of what would life be. It could always be worse. Now, losing a child is the worst thing any human can go through. And I used to always think, thank you, God, for these beautiful children you've given me, and please don't take them away. I used to always say that. You know, God granted me this child, both my children, and when it's time to go home, I have to very much accept that.
0: Mm. Some might, might feel as though the prayer not to take them away has then been ignored. By God.
1: Well, I've never thought God ignores my prayers. I always think God knows best. And I'm not yet to understand why he took Veronique home so young. And it is unfair. And the way it happened is even more unfair. But I accept and I take on the pain and I will turn that pain into goodness. And I I am doing my best to turn that pain into goodness by helping other grieving families. We've opened up a cafe to give back to the community and honour Veronique and pay tribute to her cousins and very much working with the Road Trauma Support Group. There is a lot of work being done in that group to help victims of road trauma.
0: Yeah. I'm not a man of faith. My friend of faith, Grave Long, passed away, so chaplain and stuff, he'd say to me things like, at the moment of Veronique's death or at the moment when someone's in great suffering... That's where God is. That's where Jesus is. Is that what you believe? Yeah.
1: So, I mean, Jesus was divine but also human and God's son suffered. He suffered terribly and his mother watched him suffer. I mean, as I have gone through this tragedy and this pain, more and more I start to relate to what Jesus' life and his words and what his mother went through. And yes, Jesus is at the heart of suffering. Mm. I mean, he wasn't on a throne with gold marble around it or a crown. He was on a cross. It was a shameful place to be, and his mother watched him suffer Mm -hmm. um, brutally. And if he did suffer, then why are we different?
0: Yeah. And I would understand by what he's saying that at moments of suffering, it's not to say God has let you down. It's that life is suffering, as you're saying, and that's when God is there. That's when God is present.
1: God, for me, is present in my suffering. Because if it wasn't for God, then I think I would be a lot worse. But it carries you. And it brings people, the most amazing people you've never met, to carry you. And I've met so many people since the tragedy of Veronica and her cousins, so many people that have come into our lives and have carried us. And who are these people? They're, they're strangers. Mm. But the human spirit. And to me, that's God working through that human spirit.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is also then the other extraordinary thing that you've done in this time is you've forgiven the driver. You've forgiven the person who killed your daughter and and her cousins, as you say. That comes from the same faith?
1: That comes from the same faith and the amount of times you say the Lord's Prayer and forgiveness is in that prayer. Yeah. Forgive Forgive those who trespass trespass against against us. us. Mm. Those words, I've said them over and over, but never before have I actually had to practice them as I have now. and forgiving the driver is about making sure that for me as a Christian, that I have accomplished what God wants us to do, which is so hard. But at the same time, it relieves me from that anger and that resentment and that hatred and that ill feeling. Because imagine if I was angry all the time and I go on about it all the time, what's that doing to my son? What's that doing to him and his psychology and his makeup? or my relationship with my husband or my family, my siblings, my friends. What would that do? What would that look like? It'd be toxic, it'd be awful. But instead, I'm working with a lot of people through my heartfelt platform, which helps families, individuals, humans, in their grief. And I can connect with that grief. There's many forms of grief, but the grief of losing someone so close being accompanied while you're in grief. Patricia Thomas, who works for Grief Care Catholic Cemeteries, accompanied me from day one. And I realised that when you grieve, it's very unique, and you do grieve alone, but healing together is very powerful. And the platform I created in October 2020 is about that. It's about people coming together, uh, listening to each other. We don't provide judgement, no advice. But every Monday night, I have about 25 to 30 people come on It is, at the moment, faith-based and it's very spiritual, but I do plan to grow the platform and, you know, people who aren't of faith, how do we tap into their grief? And we just listen to one another. We honour our loved ones, share stories. And also, you know, grief is universal. It doesn't discriminate. It's not invited. It forces its way in. And everybody has that in common. And if you love, you grieve. There is no loving without grieving one day. And it, certainly I never really understood that until uh, I no longer had Veronique.
0: Yeah. And it must happen. And it means, I think in what you're describing as well, is that Veronique is still with you. She's being Absolutely. talked about. She's being grieved, which <caterpillar> means she's still present.
1: Yep. She's still present. And a lot of times I go, Veronique, what do you think I should do? And somehow I feel like I get that answer. And, you know, the day we opened the cafe, it's called Café Catre, which is four in French to honour the four children. Mm. The other day we opened up the cafe and because Ronique loved food and cooking and people, a photo popped up on my phone with Ronique in the kitchen and she was cooking something in this photo. And I thought, yeah, that's just a sign that she's very happy. So she's always with me. And I honestly believe faith or no faith. If you've lost someone you love, you carry them so close to your heart.
0: You yeah. just don't yeah.
1: say they're gone.
0: Can I come back to the forgiveness, Bridget? What did you forgive? What were you forgiving?
1: I was forgiving the driver for what he actually did on that day, for being so, you know, the drugs and the alcohol, for being in that state, for doing what he did and somehow being completely out of it. For the action that he caused, I forgave him for that. But that doesn't take away that there's justice. There are consequences to that behaviour. Like any parent who's got a child... They do wrong, you love them, but there are consequences. Because, I mean, forgiveness is not something you can get up and go, I forgive it. It does take time to accept what's happened and forgive. But for me, the first thing I said is, Lord, have mercy on him because God is merciful and you're the ultimate judge. I'm not here to judge him. Mm. That's the first thing I said.
0: Not Lord, have vengeance. Not Lord, punish. Not Lord, strike him down. Lord, have mercy.
1: And that's the first thing I said, Lord, Mm. have mercy on him because, oh, my God, Because can you imagine also his life, what he goes through every day? Um, I'm sure he's in isolation. He's got his own company, his own mind to deal with. When we actually went to court and there was a sentencing in my victim's impact statement, I actually offered him to come one day onto the heartfelt platform Mm. and to really learn from this and to be an example to others as to why not to drink and drive and act obnoxiously and his behaviour was... Yeah, I don't even know the word to use but mm. yeah, I think obnoxious
0: I, is good repugnant, you know. Yep. Yep. Most of us would say it's beyond forgiveness.
1: Look, it is probably for most beyond forgiveness, but the first thing I said was lord have mercy. It, it would have taken me at least a few weeks to say I forgive. Right. I can't say that I got up the next day and said oh, God, I got to forgive him. Yeah. Absolutely not. I gave it to God to handle. I couldn't handle it. Yeah. It's not for me. Take this cup away from me, as God said, Jesus said, when he was suffering. I said, Jesus, take this cup away from me, but have mercy on him. And then over time, a few weeks later, I said, you know what? I'd never found that anger in me. That never came to me. Mm. And I don't wish him ill health. I wish him conversion. I wish him to be one day an example to all of what not to do mm. because we can see at the moment our judicial system still doesn't have significant penalties on, yeah. on this type of tragedies. So, yeah.
0: So I suppose I, w- I would only understand it in terms of compassion, in that I might have, be able to get to a point of having compassion for him, that that's been his life. Whatever his life has been has led him to be making those kind of decisions with the tragic outcome. Is that the same as forgiveness?
1: No, I think they're two different things. I mean, you can probably not forgive someone and still, go, and still well, be compassionate. Yeah, I think it's another level above. I think because I got to that stage of forgiveness, I have released myself from being chained up and I can focus on greater yeah. things and I could be that wounded healer for those who are in pain and I have given myself that title. Yeah, I come from a corporate background and, you know, my finance and mortgages and housing industry was everything I did, but there's a, such a big world out there that I'm tapping into at the moment.
0: Mm. Tell me some of those things. What are some of the things you're doing?
1: as I said, my heartfelt platform is something that I'm focusing on. I do want to turn it into a charity. We've opened up a cafe and we have absolutely no idea about cafes, but we were <laughs> able to have somebody come along into our, my life after Veronique. And,
0: and what's the point of the cafe? Is that to, to raise money or is it to have another? No,
1: actually, it's to give back to the community. Right. So it's a community cafe. And it's, like I said, to honour the children. Well, honour my daughter first and foremost and pay tribute to her cousins. But Veronique loved cooking. She loved people. And this is what this cafe represents. Mm. And we've got an amazing wall that we've actually uh, put up. It's a cork wall, but you can go in with a photo of your loved one. And we've got a Polaroid camera, and we take a photo of you and your loved one and stick it up on the wall. And um, the theme of the wall and the theme of heartfelt, the tagline you could call it, is because love lives on. Just because someone dies, the love doesn't end. Mm. And we're creating this amazing wall. And the Road Trauma Support Group, working with victims of families of road trauma, 300 people die on the roads every year, 10,800 injured. Yeah. That should never happen. And uh, the Road Trauma Support Group is the um, voice of families who experience road trauma. You know, the word accident is used a lot in this tragedy, but it absolutely is not an accident. It's a collision that shouldn't have happened. Mm. So, they're the three key things I'm focusing on. Yeah. Plus, I still, we sold our business. So I still have to go back a few days a week in the industry, but it keeps me balanced. Mm. I like to keep connections. I'm a people person. And I think doing good, you know, and if you look at children, I mean, let's not forget mental health is rife at the moment and children are the forgotten grievers. And so my son, I focus very much on him and, mm-hmm. and even obviously Danny and Layla's children. Children are not as resilient as people say they are because if yeah. they were, why do we have the issues we have in our society today? Yeah, They carry it through. So I focus on faith, family, community, you know, mind, body, and soul, Mm -hmm. you know, your mind, tapping into psychologists, one for my son, one for me, and soul, spiritual directors, going to church, my faith, and body, you know, the gym, try and go to the gym, I do go to the gym, actually, I never used to before, but I've made it very much, yeah, (laughs) and seeing a psychologist, as I said, our tragedy was so public, that people came to us, yeah. And what do you need? But so many people do suffer in silence. Yeah. And I really want to tap into those people that are suffering in silence.
0: Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? That public aspect of it. It was a story. Yeah. You know, it was on the press, that yeah. so you were there, you were able to talk. Yep. That makes a difference. You know, I, I work in media, so I know this. Like if you if you'll talk, we'll have you on, you know, that's and then the forgiveness moment, the same sort of thing. Absolutely. You then read the politics, you know. Absolutely. So there's been a lot of a lot of public there.
1: Yeah, and the politics piece was, you know, how can I do good using a platform that would really create that wide reach. And I wanted to get back to the community. Mm. Um, And politics was one of those ways I could do it. But the cafe is doing that now and, you know, people love it. And you're right, you know, I mean, where do you ever get seven children being hit at the one time? Mm. It's unheard of. Mm. But life is full of surprises. It's full of things you don't expect. And in the blink of an eye, things can change. I've lived it. I experienced it. Yeah. But I do believe God does allow things to happen, permits things to happen for the greater good. And that greater good is for me to carry Veronica's legacy and do good in this world.
0: Mm. Can you imagine, I mean, I, I, don't, even, I don't even mind what your imagining it is. I'd always just ask you this is like a thought experiment. Like for me, I can imagine your state of mind, even though I don't have faith, I don't believe in God, I don't, I don't have no spiritual practice whatsoever, whatsoever really, So, if my child died, what do you imagine I hang on to? How how would you imagine that I would deal with that? How do you imagine that those that have lost children without Mm. faith, you know, the faith is so central to what you're describing that we we can all hear that and go, like that's joyous, that's amazing that you've got that there. If you haven't, what Mm. do you think?
1: I think that you would, and forgive me if I'm wrong, but Mm. I think you would hang on to the memories that you created, the times the good times. And it's interesting when someone dies, you always just think of the great times. You never think of the times they, you know.
0: They become much nicer people. (laughs) They become nicer, don't they? Oh, my God. It's really funny, isn't
1: it? I know. It's funny. You Mm. become a legend when when Mm. when you're not here anymore. You should be a legend while you're still here. But I think you would hang on to those memories. But someone of faith hangs on to more than those memories. They will see them again. Mm. I will see Veronique again. I'll be reunited with Veronique again. Mm. And everything I'm doing, I know she's watching me. She's seeing what I'm doing and she's proud of what I'm doing. And I want to make her proud. So it's the continuing of the bond. The relationship continues. Whereas I think someone with no faith, it's memories. And I'm not sure if that relationship continues. Mm. It's not alive anymore. Mm. It's kind of stopped.
0: Well, I think in what you're describing, it's, it'd be something to strive for, how to make that real, how to make the same sort of daily reality you have of Veronique's existence, how to make that a thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, am I right? Is that, do you see that that's, would you?
0: Yeah, I think what I think is in fundamental, the difference is that difference between a sense of a presence of God and God as part of the action as such, and then a presence of heaven. I mean, I, I exist in a notion that now is all there is but now is full of joy and wonder and spirit and mm-hmm. love and everything, you know. So if my daughter's life finished, I think it's finished, but I think it's also eternal in another sort of way. Mm-hmm. We all just go on forever and create the next way of things. I don't have a God presence, but mm-hmm. I have a similar, it's not a similar notion, but I have a sort of sense of eternal recreation.
1: Yeah, so you're, you're eternally recreating something that, it's a notion that you, you, you're, crea- you're creating, you Whereas, yeah, mm. I feel for me there is another world, there's heaven yeah, and there's so much going on there. Mm. And it's probably hard for us to imagine what that looks like. Maybe something that I would say is a little bit different when mm. you've got faith because I am going to be united with her. I am going to get to hug her again and kiss her again and yeah. feel her again. I just know it.
0: Do you look at your own death with ease?
1: Yeah, I, yeah. I do now. The only thing I'd, where I don't want to... Why I say I don't want to die just yet is because I've got, you know, a 16-year-old son, you know, and I need son. to make sure he gets through life and he really only has, you know, I'm his rock. And, of course, he's got, you know, his dad and he's got Craig and he's got Bourne and Hannah. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, I need to be there for him. It'd be very difficult. I am his rock. But I'm not afraid of death anymore. And even though I used to think, well, you know, this is it, you've got faith and you're a Christian, I still fear death. Death is mm-hmm. probably a scary place. It's unknown. But I'm not as scared anymore. I've got something to look forward to. Even though I lost my father and close family um, members, it's not like losing a child. And I've got someone waiting for me. Yeah. So it's not as daunting. And you you know it now. Yeah, I know it. I've experienced it. I've felt it. When I do go out every week, I try and go and visit two or three people that have lost someone. You know, I do try and tap into people that lost children. I'll call them, introduce myself, they get referred to me. And if they're local, I'll go visit them, sit with them. And even if they've lost a husband or a wife or whoever it might be, I'd go and sit with someone that's in grief. But at least I understand the feeling. Yeah. Even though, you know, they've got their own uniqueness about that, I understand that feeling.
0: Yeah. I think I said this earlier on, you know, is a business, is a busyness distraction? It's not, it's immersion. Like your busyness is completely in. Veronique's life in her memory, in her legacy, in your own life, in your own pain, your own grief. You're not shying away from it at all. You're not out there windsurfing. No, absolutely not. <laughs> I think
1: facing into the pain sounds kind of
0: facing into counterintuitive. The pain. Yeah, like yeah. facing
1: into it helps you. Yeah. Helps you learn to deal with it better. You've got to face it. Running away, I do face into my pain, even though I'm quite busy. I do face into it, you know, because I spend time praying. Get up every morning, and I'm part of a prayer group for half an hour. It's my meditation. I say my rosary, my daily rosary every day, and I feel good for it. Uh, it calms me, and then I, you know, the day starts. So I do sit with that pain, and we pray for people who are suffering. We pray for all. A lot of people who are struggling out there. So that day, I feel like I've started off with a really good meditation, spiritual, and then I will always face into something. I've never shied away from whatever it is, and. I'm a people person. I like to connect with people. And this is a gift. God gives us gifts. I believe that. And not all of us use the gifts we're given, but I really try and use the strengths that he's given me to go out and do good things.
0: Well, Bridget, like, I just feel like this was a gift of a meeting.
1: Thank you very I much. I made it a little
0: emotional. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> making time
0: for me. Uh, oh, not at all. But like it was a, such a powerful, you know, you're such a powerful presence okay. and it's such a you're such a powerful witness to your faith and... I'm always moved by people who really live it, like, and you don't meet people that often, you know, and you're one of, if I met six people in my life that actually really live it, you're one of them, and that's been extraordinary. So thank you so much. It's beautiful. Too beautiful.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for making time for me.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Life's Booming Against All Odds. Along with everything else, Bridget is also now running a cafe which celebrates the lives of those we've lost called Cafe de Vie. In this series of Life's Booming, you'll also hear from Rosie Batty, Todd Russell, David Ayliff, Rosemary Karayuki and Tim Baker, so look out for those as well. Don't forget to tell your friends and family and leave us a review, it would be much appreciated. I'm James Valentine, thanks for your company.